the great grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. An awesome truth this Mother's Day. Well, we wanted to remind you that we don't have our Sunday night service tonight. This is an opportunity for you to spend time as a family and, and honor, honor really the Lord by honoring your mother. So we encourage you to do that. And uh, let's just begin our time with prayer. Father God, we thank you for the fact that um, as we open up your word and we are reminded of that truth that was just saying about, about your grace. There's nothing greater than grace. Lord, I pray that that would just mark out our lives. Lord, I pray that I would preach grace. I would preach uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit the message of the gospel. And um, I pray all this in the powerful and matchless name so that you would receive all the glory and all the power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have to confess that the year that was easiest for me and the one that I matured the most was the year that I spent in the arms of another man's wife. In fact, she was here for a service today. My mom. What were you thinking about? <laughs> she was here. In fact, she got the award for the traveling the farthest. She, was from, uh, she came from London. And uh, she's just an amazing woman. You who know her, um, just a real servant's heart. And, uh, uh, you know, my dad is just, we're all blessed to have her. As uh, in our family. And then my wife, she's got the most difficult job in the world. She's married to me. And um, she uh, has four, we have four wonderful children, and she does a fantastic job. In fact, she's uh, downstairs right now um, helping uh, lead our young adults group. And um, I just, I'm just so blessed to have both of those women in my life. And I wanted to publicly honor them and, and thank them. You know, if you think about it, um, mothers are amazing aren't they? None of us would be here without them. Isn't that true? So, um, today, I want to not only address mothers, but everyone who has been a child too, which includes all of us. If you're looking for a parenting seminar, then you're going to have to wait for Pastor Calvin to host one, or Pastor Dwayne, you can host one. I don't feel qualified to do so. I, I, uh, I don't have the qualifications to give much parental advice, except for what is found in the scriptures. And um, instead, I want my message to focus in on a woman who I believe had the most difficult assignment as a parent that's ever existed, and that was raising the Son of God. You would think that raising the only true perfect child, I know some of you think you have the perfect child, but Jesus was the true perfect child, and he was, he, he, he uh, imagined Mary having to, to Joseph having to, to raise um, Jesus. You know, lots of times kids think they know more than their parents. But in the case of Jesus, he really did, right? Mary's son from the beginning surpassed her in every way. And most times we, we eventually think that our ceiling will be our kid's floor. But... It was like that from the start for Mary and Joseph with, with Jesus. And I'm sure that Mary and Joseph at times felt very helpless and unsure of themselves as they raised Jesus. And this is why this message is for everyone who's ever felt helpless, ever felt unsure. And if you're a parent, you definitely have felt that way. At least I have. Is that true? Are you with me? Let's read Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38. 
and you'll be surprised. Did you know you're allowed to read Luke chapter 1 on other times of the year other than Christmas? You can. It's allowed. So let's turn to Luke chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 26, and we're going to go through verse 38. If you don't know where Luke is, just follow. uh, Look at the table of contents. Go to the Gospel of Luke, and then chapter 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be a child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua. Lord of salvation. He'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. Amen? How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Holy, will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. And then highlight this verse. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May it be to me as you said. Then the angel left her. Now, at first glance, when you look at this passage, you might think, well, how's this really going to help me with those times when I feel helpless and, and unsure of myself? But let's unpack it a little bit further. Let's just start from the beginning. Notice that Mary is probably at one of the most exciting times in her life. She had been waiting all of her life, as little girls often do, to get married. I can just picture Mary. She's running around with her little friends when she's a little girl, and she had, you know, the veil, and she'd been pretending, you know, how many people were going to be at the wedding, and, and who was going to come, and sometimes when they don't even... It doesn't really matter who shows up. It's just about the wedding, right? It doesn't matter so much about the husband. But now, now Mary was seeing her dream finally come true, finally become reality. She was pledged to be married to Joseph. And everybody knew it. That day it was a public knowledge that when you became betrothed, that essentially you were married except for there was a year waiting period before, before the consummation of the marriage. And um, that, that way the, the husband could go build a house for his wife. And they could also prove the purity of, of the couple. 
So can you imagine Mary, she's on her way, maybe she's picking the flowers out, or maybe she's, she's on her way to find that, that perfect wedding dress. And God interrupts her. God often interrupts us in those busy times. God brings somebody into her life to speak to us. In the case of Mary, it was the angel Gabriel. And, and, and God specifically interrupted Mary by declaring these words, Greetings! You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Literally, Gabriel's telling Mary that she has been, as Warren Wiersbe says, greatly graced. Greatly graced. It's in the perfect passive tense, which means that, that she was a passive participant in receiving this grace. There was nothing that she did to deserve this grace. That's always the case with grace. Did you know today God wants to give you that same grace? How? Well, here's the simple message for all mothers, for all fathers, for all children today. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Our Roman Catholic friends often pray, Hail Mary, full of grace. Where does grace come from? Is it something that we can just manufacture from within? Or does it come from something outside of ourselves? It's always something, or rather someone gives it to us from outside of ourselves. And that someone has a name. His name is Jesus. Grace is a person. Jesus. Grace for Mary and grace for us is always and only because of the Lord is with us. And that's what you and I really need today. So as we unpack this, this passage further, I want to tell you that I think that this passage will help us in every stage of our life, wherever you're at. I find three instances that, that we find that the Lord is with us. The first is, the Lord is with you during the disturbing times. During the disturbing times. Often grace comes to you when you're working so hard to fulfill those, those dreams you've had, those long-awaited dreams in your life. And then God says, drop everything. Because I have a different plan for you. You could be not getting that job that you hope for. Or it could be that report from the doctor. It could be becoming a parent, like Mary and Joseph experienced, so that everything else was on hold. Maybe you're even forced to move away, like um, Mary and Joseph were. It's disturbing. We know this because in verse 29, it says, Mary was greatly troubled, literally disturbed at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this may be. I touched on this a little bit already, but, but put, your, put your, yourself in Mary's sandals. She was young, full of energy. When I look across the room, I see many of you who fit that description. Anticipating something of the future. The future looked bright for her. She was probably bursting with anticipation that finally the man of her dreams, 
A man that's strong and tender and who actually had a job was going to uh, sweep her off her feet. And then an angel comes out of nowhere, has a different plan for her. Different vision, different dream. The wedding was off. In fact, initially, she was experiencing unwanted pregnancy. In a second, Mary went from everybody smiling at her as she walked down the road in that little town of Nazareth to a few few months later where everyone was sneering at her. Has that ever happened to you? Where everybody's cheering you on one moment? And then life turns. Maybe God give you a different, different direction. And all of a sudden, there's disfavor. But in Mary's case, it was worse than disfavor. She was more than going to be an outcast. She could be stoned to death for adultery. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10 says that if a man or a woman commit adultery, there was a penalty to pay. Just Do you know what the penalty was? Death. Death. Mary was staring death in the face. But Joseph, Mary's husband, decides to protect her and take her away to Bethlehem. When I read both the gospel accounts of Luke and and Matthew, I don't find any description of the wedding ceremony. You ever notice that? There never was. Most likely, Mary and Joseph had to elope. They missed out on that that big wedding feast. Seven-day affair. Seven days of, of, you can imagine, just feasting and rejoicing. And you had gathered all your family and friends. I mean, we, we do a big thing for one day. Spend thousands of dollars, but for a whole week? I mean, think about that, parents, right now. You who are just about to flip a bill for a wedding bill. Seven days? Wow. Mary and Joseph missed out on that. As a side note, I I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why one of the first miracles that Jesus ever did was um, turning water into wine at a wedding. Absolutely it was to to convey that he he upheld the sanctity of marriage and that he himself was the Lord God. But I also think it was in part to redeem what his mother had lost. She was the one advocating for this couple, remember? Maybe she knew the embarrassment of of what it felt like at a wedding when it wasn't going so well or maybe she missed out on a wedding. And so maybe Jesus was um, was redeeming what, what she had lost, her own dream, for his sake. I believe Jesus always redeems what is lost that is given up for his sake. If you'll just come to him. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that describes you. This is important because maybe today Jesus has disturbed your long awaited dreams. You've had to sacrifice for his sake. Maybe retirement hasn't turned out exactly how you thought. Maybe you 
are a parent whose kids haven't turned out exactly as you expected, as they expected. Or maybe you're a young parent and you just can't even keep up. It's just been so difficult for you. Maybe you've been faithful. Maybe you've been faithful in your duties at work or school or in the church. And now instead of honor, God seems to be putting you in a different place. A place just the opposite. A place of shame and scorn. Can I remind you today that during those disturbing times, especially if that time is right now, God is gracing you greatly. Hail favored one, the Lord is with you. If you are afraid and fear is casting its dark shadow on you, the angel's words still ring true for you in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. God is with you during the disturbing times. And if you have not been disturbed, you will be. You will be. The second instance that the Lord is with you is during the destiny-fulfilling times. The destiny-fulfilling times. Many of us are pursuing life with all that we can. And I want to remind you today that the Lord is with you, despite the fact that maybe you don't have all the credentials that, that are needed out there. You don't have all the credibility. See, many of us are very concerned about our own destiny, aren't we? Young people wonder all the time, what should I do with my life? When I talk to our young adults, when I talk to young people, they're always asking me, you know, what, what, should, what should I do? What's God's will for my life? It's a question that we wrestle with, isn't it? Maybe middle-aged people wonder, how far can I go in fulfilling my sense of purpose? Or what would it take for me to pick up, take up my calling, the thing that I've always wanted to do, and actually go do it? Maybe that's you today. Maybe some are asking a different question. You're asking, when do I stop doing the things that have always defined me? Or what have I done that will outlive me? I gotta say, parents, we can mask concern for our own destiny by making it be about our own kids and being concerned about their future when it's really about ours. I found this to be true in my life this week. I got a, an email from a coach uh, for one of my son's um, teams, and he was being invited to try out for the select team. So I thought, oh, this is great. And um, uh, I said, well, when's the games? Well, Sundays at 6.30 p.m. And so I, I went to my son, and I said, well guess what, they asked you to be a part of uh, the select team, or at least try out, and, um, but the games are on Sunday at 6.30. It's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, are you sure? Because it really bothered me. <laughs> it was more about my dream, wasn't it? My destiny. I was hoping that finally we would get a reliever in the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen, Okay? So we could finally win the American League East again. 
the platform for Jesus. You know, I was thinking it would all work out. God knows. God knows how focused we can be on our children's future, what we want for them. And this is why the angel Gabriel tells Mary in verses 31 and 33, you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. See, God wants to reassure Mary that despite the fact that she didn't have any credentials, the only thing that she really had was her great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather to the 40th generation was King David. And she didn't really get to live in the palace these days because the inheritance was long gone. She didn't have the credentials. But God wants to reassure her that he had a plan. He had a plan for her life and for her son's life. And that her son would be great. She would give birth to the God-man. Did you see this in verse 32? He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. Meaning that he is divine. He is the son of God. But then the next sentence, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's, he's also perfectly human. What a promise to Mary, whose credibility was jeopardized at the announcement of her son's birth. She'd kept herself pure. And now, by all appearances, she was paying for it. So let me just tell you, young people, singles out there, and married people, you might be trying to live pure in this life, and you're bombarded with the sexual images that our society throws at you. And there's pressures... And there's desires that you have. And you're thinking, wow, I, I'm making a big sacrifice here. Is it, is it really worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Yes, it is worth it. Remember, God will use your purity to give you a legacy for the generations to come. In the same manner that Mary did. You can tell your children that living pure was difficult... God blessed it. But may I remind you, don't become proud in that. Maybe you've thought that God owes you now a family that will um, always behave well, always um, be that family that everyone looks up to. Mary fought this lie from the evil one, and, and, and guess what she did? She fought that pride with humility. Verse 38 says this, I am the Lord's servant, literally bond slave. That word bond slave um, has the idea, especially in, in the feminine form of it, it has the idea of, of the lowest of servants. That's how she considered herself. She was the lowest of servants. She repeats it actually in verses 47 through 48. Verse 46, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She recognized her need for her own Savior. For he has been mindful of the human state of his servant. See, God rewards this humility because he always gives grace to what? 
the humble, but opposes the, can you finish it? The proud. James chapter 4, verse 6. As Daryl Bach remarks, the announcement of Jesus' birth shows the great lengths God goes in order to identify the most humble people of the world. So, maybe today you're wrestling through what your purpose in this world is, what your destiny, what your children's destiny is. The Lord. The Lord is the one who controls your destiny. The Lord is the one who controls your children's destiny. Will you give it back to him? Will you try to stop grabbing control of it? Because in the same manner that the Lord did when he conceived Mary, the Holy Spirit, as Tom Wright says, the Holy Spirit will enable you to be and do more than you can do by yourself. We must trust the Lord. When you and I give over our destinies and those of our offspring to Jesus, this is where grace comes and meet us, meets us in our time of need. Helps us during the disturbing times. Helps us during the destiny-fulfilling times because the Lord is with us. But there's a third instance where the Lord is with us, and that's during the difficult times. During the difficult times. Despite the fact that we have been faithful to him, Notice what the angel says to Mary about her barren cousin, Elizabeth. She, Elizabeth, was faithful. Same with Mary, very faithful. Godly women. And I love verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Now sometimes, i got to confess, sometimes I do, maybe you do too, I mistake faithfulness for workfulness. Workfulness is when I think that I need to grab control of this difficult situation and I need to fix it. But it's when the difficult times, when you let the Lord work in and through you, you let his grace take its full effect in your life. Maybe God puts us in the difficult times. This is being more than surprised or disturbed. Maybe God puts us in the difficult times where you feel trapped, where there's no possible exit, no possible escape except through divine help. Maybe he does that because he loves you enough for you to finally experience his full grace and that he really is with you. How do I know this? How do I know this? How do I know that God puts us in those, those impossible difficult times Because he did it to his own son. Didn't God disturb heaven so that his son, Jesus, could come down to earth? Didn't he do that? And didn't the Lord show his evidence of being with us because he fulfilled the destiny of his own son and really the destiny of this whole universe? By sending Jesus to earth? In other words, God knows how attached our hearts are to our children because he feels the same way about us, his children, to the point that he sent his son to secure our eternal destiny. And isn't the Lord with you 
during the difficult and impossible times. Those times feel impossible for us, but they're not too difficult or hard for the Lord. God proved that he could overcome the greatest difficulty in your life. Your sin, your rebellion, my sin, my rebellion. You might think the most difficult thing in your life is trying to raise children. That's really, really hard. It's impossible, to be honest. You might think it's the most difficult thing in your life is that looming project that you're trying not to think about right now. It's at work. Or, or at school, that assignment. That's not the most difficult thing. The most difficult thing is overcoming your rebellion towards God. And Jesus did it. Jesus did it for you. Why? Because the cross is about total self-surrender to God. And isn't that really the key to parenting, work, school, marriage, relationships, every part of life? The message is simple. Is the Lord with you? Are you greatly graced? Will you receive God's grace today like Mary did? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the fact that you put us in, you disturb us. You see that our destinies are, are really up to you. And that you, uh, you put us in difficult, impossible situations so that we might trust you and experience that grace. Lord, would that be just driven home into our heart? May, we just, may it just resonate and ring true all week that you are with us. And we can go in great confidence. We just pray this. <laughs> in the name of the Son of the Most High, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And God's people said, amen. If there's anybody in this world who would die for us, it's mostly likely our mothers. Many mothers risk their lives to have children, their children. I know my wife, or my, my mom, she almost died after she had me. My wife, she almost died when we had our firstborn. Mary herself experienced great grief. In fact, it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 to 35, that her heart was pierced. It's prophesied that her heart would be pierced because of her son. This is why mothers always point to Jesus. Though not all mothers die to bring new life, Jesus did. Jesus did for you and for me. Will you receive the gift of salvation? Will you embrace it fully today? Maybe you've been in church for many, many years. Maybe this is your first Sunday. It will be the best Mother's Day gift ever to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for you as your Savior. Will you receive his grace? You can experience it fully. Because the Lord is with you. Please talk to one of us pastors.
We'd love to talk to you further, pray with you. You can go out and walk in his grace every day. Let's pray. Father God, I just, I just thank you for your tremendous grace. Thank you for gracing us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for being with us. May we go in that confidence. May we be strengthened by the Lord being with us. Every step. We pray in Jesus' name. And if you agree, you say amen.